Welcome to the new neighborhood. I'm your host, Joan Lombardi, and I'm delighted to be with you today to share some of the dramatic changes that are taking place across the country as people are reinforcing a sense of community. They're supporting young children and families and assuring equity right from the start. Each episode of this podcast will feature innovations that are emerging to create a generation where all children and families thrive. Today, we're speaking to Molly Day, co-director for Early Learning Multnomah, Lydia Gray Hollyfield, parent leader with Early Learning Multnomah and part of the Parent Accountability Council, and Leilani Ovayes, who is a senior manager for Early Learning Multnomah. As many of you know, the county has been receiving a lot of attention for the success it had in November in passing their Preschool for All measure. We're delighted that we're being joined today by three people from the community who will be providing us some insight into this important step forward. Welcome Molly, Lydia, and Leilani, and thanks so much for being here. Before I ask what this looks like and what it means for families in the county. I want to first turn to Lydia, who's a parent again from Multnomah County, because I understand that parent voice was critical to the success of this measure. Congratulations, Lydia. Can you tell us the story of what motivated parents to come together on behalf of their children in the county? Thank you so much, Joan. We are a child's first teacher. And we have found that even though we may speak different languages, may have different cultures, we all believe and want what's best for our children. We, as parents, know that it's important to have our voices at the center of what we want for our children. We want our voices to be heard. We want our voices to be a part of the decision-making when it comes to our children. As a parent of PAC, the Parent Accountability Council, one of our guiding principles states, nothing for us without us. And we stand on that firmly. And that's what keeps us motivated when it comes to our child's education and talking to our county leaders and making sure our voices are being heard. That's a great slogan and so important. Leilani, I know you were instrumental in working with the various parent groups. Can you tell us about the process and what it was like over the years? Because this didn't just happen. What was the campaign like leading up to the vote? Yeah, Joan, thanks for having us. Um, so before there was even a campaign and an initiative, the Parent Accountability Council back in uh, 2016 got together and wanted to talk about what preschool could look like in Multnomah County and created a vision and met with over 200 interested community members, mostly parent leaders in the community from culturally specific communities, created this vision. It's a beautiful vision that prioritizes the population of children that are living in poverty, that centers equity, that centers parent voice and family engagement, and really systems change. And this vision was the basis and laid the groundwork for Preschool for All initiative. Um, And the Parent Accountability Council really was the heart and soul of the effort because they started with the vision that the parents created and sort of built that from there. And so all along the task force um, creation and development, parents were at the table. And along with that, the Parent Accountability Council became the official advisory board to the task force. And there was sort of a 
an amazing feedback loop of how policies were discussed at the task force table, came back to the parents, and then also a larger network of parent leaders that we have in our community. So really there was an ongoing communication and like Miss Lydia said, that it was not created for the parents without them at the table. Molly, with that background, can you explain how the initiative would work? What are the details, the provisions of the initiative? Sure. Thanks, Joan. As I get into the details, I want to make sure that two key framing pieces are in place. One is how is the measure funded? It's funded through a personal income tax on the county's highest earners. And then the capacity that it builds toward preschool for all will happen over time. We need teachers and spaces, for example, in order to open new pre-K. And as we get to universal access, what the parents told us super clearly and we put into policy is that those who have not been well served by our early care and education system are first in line. And we move to universal once that need is met. So Preschool for All was built around that vision that um, Lailani and Lydia talked about that that every child has access to a preschool that's right for them and every family can afford it. And that vision, that access to preschool that's right for them, hints at the complexity that the parent voice helped us build into the measure. Um, the parents were really clear that families need a variety of options in order, in order to access a preschool that's right for them. So the measure includes options that are half day, full day, school year, and year round. And up to six hours per day are tuition free for all participants. And then an additional four hours per day of before or after care will be tuition free for families whose income is below um, the self-sufficiency standard. And that's a policy decision that the Parent Accountability Council made um, and went into directly into the measure, which was super exciting for us. So parents also asked for a variety of settings. So we wrote that into the measure. Preschool for all will happen at schools, it will happen at community-based organizations and childcare settings. And we were explicit in the language of the measure that preschool for all funds would be used to provide culturally relevant, multi-generational learning experiences. We are really glad to get that just right into the writing up front for the voters, and we're excited about that. I think the other piece that's really important and has gotten a lot of press actually lately is that um, we were able to build in fair compensation for teachers and for assistant teachers. We knew that that was essential to making this work. People need to come into this career at a very living wage and at a professional wage. So the measure compensates preschool teachers on par with kindergarten teachers in the county and guarantees a minimum wage of right about $20 an hour for assistant teachers. And in selecting the funding mechanism that we picked, we chose a way to generate enough funds to not only pay teachers and staff and cover tuition costs, but to also set up professional development pathways, coaching teams, infrastructure supports, all the things that we knew would be needed to make this work. What age group are we covering here? Three and four-year-olds. I'm curious about families with infants and toddlers. Will the measure address infants and toddlers in any way? That was a huge, hugely important piece for us. We had the benefit of watching other communities across the country put preschool for all in place for a couple of years. And one of the things that 
those leaders shared with us was the danger of eroding infant and toddler care when you put in publicly funded pre-K because the business model for a family child care provider who has infants all the way through pre-K is that their pre-K fees are what subsidizes their ability to provide infant care. So we were, we've been really concerned about that all the way through and part of what we set aside in the budget that's generated by the measure are additional supports and stipends for infant toddler care so that we do not reduce the capacity within the community for those services as we add publicly funded pre-K. So we have money there. Our strategy for it is still in development. We're having conversations even this evening, actually, with school districts um, around if they expand pre-K through preschool for all, like what's going to happen to their neighborhood child care providers. So it's getting the, all of those people on the table to start wrestling with this issue is part of the next step. But I'm really excited that we put money and accountability into the measure to prevent infant toddler erosion. And you talked about funding several different parts of the early childhood system. So how will it work? Yes, the initiative will be housed within our county government. We're creating a new division within the government structure to, to handle this. And that um, we have a really pretty detailed implementation plan that spells out as much as we can think of over the past two years as we worked with parents and community leaders to get this in place. And yes, it will happen through direct grants, through um, some combined purchasing power. We just try to pull on as many different funding mechanisms as possible to get the money out. I think that one of the other things that's innovative about this is that we're committed to building capacity of culturally specific organizations right along with this new investment. Um, we went into the measure and into the campaign with a commitment that culturally specific organizations will be in the lead and will benefit. So um, like there'll be contracts between the county and those organizations in order to recruit and enroll families into the system. They will have contracts to run their own preschools if that's what they choose to do. So we've, uh, we've got a lot of those little details ahead of us, but we have a really strong commitment at the core of it. And so Lydia, turning back to you, it sounds like the parents actually wrote many of the details and were actively involved in that process. You were actually creating it. What are you most excited about as this moves forward? I guess I'm excited about several things. What I'm most excited about is that moving forward, Parent Voice will continue to be a part of this movement and still be at the center of this movement. I'm also excited about the job opportunities for parents in the community, that they will be receiving a livable wage, as Molly stated earlier. That is so important. That was one of the things that we wanted to make sure that was implemented. One of the other things that I'm most excited about as well is that no child will be expelled or suspended from preschool moving forward. But instead, parents and teachers will partner together to assure the best outcome for the child, that parents and the child will be provided with wraparound services, and that we can take opportunities to help that child grow and let that child know that we believe in him or her and their success, and also to provide the parents with a place where they can feel safe dropping their child out, where they're not stressed out when they go to work, they're able to go to work and be at work and know that their child is being taken care of and that their child is receiving the best services that they will need 
And the other thing is, um, I think for me, I want to see this move nationally. I want to see it moved through the entire nation. I don't want it just to stop at Multnomah County. I want it to continue to grow because I feel like every community in every city, every state should have an opportunity to have free preschool. Free preschool is so important. Um, parents have enough to worry about every day. Why do parents have to choose between feeding their child or paying for preschool or paying for rent when preschool is the foundation of how our children will begin and grow? So I'm excited that this movement passed, but I'm excited that we can move this nationally and that we can start seeing it in other states and other communities. And your voice in this is going to be so important, Lydia, and that's a terrific goal for the country. You know, I was curious about your leading up to this, the discussions the parents may have had with the provider community, because one of the aspects of this that I think people are very excited about is the improved compensation. Were there discussions with providers along the way also? Yes, Joan, I can handle that one. There were. That was one of the really exciting pieces about this was that childcare providers were on the task force. They were in the work groups. They're in the implementation planning stage. And it's not just small family providers, but it's also centers and then larger centers. So we have quite a range of input from providers that infrastructure committee went out and looked at different provider sites to hear from them directly about complications for opening childcare in a rental environment. Um, that voice was at the table, which was really exciting and made this better. I want to go back to something that Lydia said about the parents being continually involved now that you're at the implementation stage and turn to Leilani and what are the next steps for the various parent groups? Can you tell us a little bit about those groups and the next steps? Yeah, sure. Um, so the PAC is made up of six culturally specific groups um, of, in our county, and we partner with culturally specific organizations. So although um, we have 12 parent leaders in the PAC, they go out and meet with a larger network of parents quarterly. And so that's how we've been getting the larger uh, parent voice and parent input is that a policy um, decision comes to the PAC, we discuss it, and then the parent leaders and support staff go back out into the community and share that with a larger group of parents and, and they give us their input. That will continue. The PAC meets monthly and we've already had discussions with uh, the county, and they're hiring for the Preschool for All director. What do you hope will actually happen two years from now if we were talking? Let me first turn to Lydia. <laughs> two years from now, what I know will happen is that parent voice will still continue to be a part of this. What I also know will happen is that children will be in preschool. They'll be starting their preschool they will be able to have teachers that look like them and speak their language in their classroom. Their classrooms will look like the children in which they are serving. That in two years from now, we'll be able to say and talk about how children are now flourishing and they're ready to go into kindergarten. We'll also be able to have parents be excited to drop their kids off at school. Parents will be employed as preschool teachers, parents will also be at ease when they drop their children off at school. So Two years important. from now, 
I hope, and I, I, I really want to make sure that it's starting to creep into different cities and different states and different communities and different counties as they're asking questions of Multnomah County around how do we get started and that we've partnered with other agencies and other states to make sure that this is happening in their states as well. I think you're going to be very busy, Lydia. Molly, let me also ask you the same question. Two years from now, what do you hope was accomplished? I'm hoping that in the next two years, it will be clear that we stuck to our commitments, you know, that we embodied our belief that Black lives really do matter, and that at every point where we had a choice to either hold on to our priorities and center the voice of Black and Brown parents or to go with what is politically expedient or meets existing county rules, that at each of those choice points, we stay true to our commitments. What I'm really looking for at that one and two year mark is to our community partners and our parent leaders, Black, Brown, Native American, immigrant, refugee, are they still supporting us? Are they still deeply engaged? Are they trusting us? That's going to be my measure as we move forward in these first two years. Leilani, any advice to people across the country about how to encourage parent groups? Um, I think the best thing that people can do is listen and not come with an agenda to get parents to be engaged. Parents are already engaged in so many things and in so many ways uh, that benefit their children and their families. And really what we did was to create an environment where parents felt that they were heard and that they could speak openly and honestly about what they care about and what they feel isn't working. And when we come with answers, that's when parents tune out. And so don't come with answers. Come with lots of questions and lots of good food and pens and papers to take notes. Lydia, do you have similar advice or other advice for communities that are just getting started? I do. I guess what I want to first say is I want parents to remember that their voice matters and that just to show up and ask to be a part of these meetings, ask to be at these tables and be accountable for your child's education because you are your child's first teacher. But most importantly, hold the people in your community that are making decisions accountable for your children, for your community, for the kids that play next door with your children. Hold those people accountable. And the one thing I can say to parents right now is that if you need help, please reach out to us. We're more than willing to help you get started and to provide you with any type of support that we can provide you with. You want to know that your voice matters. And so with your voice being matters, show up to those meetings, sit in those meetings, ask those hard questions, but also make sure that they're listening to what you're wanting to have happen in your classroom. And make sure that the teachers that are teaching your children are getting a livable wage. Make sure that those people are getting, they're comfortable. How do we ask a, a teacher to teach my child, but she can't even afford to take her own child to preschool? Not fair. So make sure that you're showing up and making sure your voice matters. But most importantly, never give up and never stop believing. And remember one thing, that your child's education is the one thing that no one can ever take away from them. 
And it's up to you as a parent to make sure that no one takes that away from them or takes that for granted. Thank you, Lydia. That is such an important message. And you three women and so many people in your community have certainly made a difference and you're making a difference in role modeling for the rest of the country. We really want to thank you for joining us today. And thanks to all of you who listened today. Please join us next time for more insights into how communities are coming together to create new neighborhoods. This podcast is a production of the Center for the Study of Social Policy. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.cssp.org.